you guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me here as we begin a brand new week. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and yes, happy warriors. Check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I am at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. So shoot me a note and let me know what's on your mind. All right, coming up on this show later in the week, we're going to talk to the one and only Dr. Naomi Wolf. She's been a guest on this show last year, and I think the year before as well. Uh, she's an amazing, amazing person who has been on top of all of the lies that we have been fed about COVID, the pandemic, lockdowns, the mRNA shots, all of it, exposing everybody from Fauci to Burks to all of them, everybody who lied to us throughout this entire catastrophic episode, Naomi Wolf has been on top of it. And she's paid a big price as well. She was thrown off of Twitter pre-Elon, suspended everywhere else simply for investigating and telling us the truth. Well, she's going to be here later in the week because guess what? Uh, Yesterday and today, Dr. Anthony Fauci who made millions and millions of dollars and lied to everybody, lied to all of us, lied to the West, lied to the world, and is a deep state actor. Let's just call it what it is. Dr. Anthony Fauci is a deep state actor. In fact, he made a trip to the CIA. Remember that? Oh, that was reported a couple of weeks ago. During the pandemic or at the very beginning of it, he made a trip to the CIA. What was that conversation like? What was discussed there? Well, he's a deep state operative, so God knows. But yesterday and today, Dr. Anthony Fauci is giving hours of a transcribed interview under oath. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he says. A lot of this will probably be leaked. So just in time for Naomi here on this show on Thursday. Um, And then he's going to do public testimony a little later this year. I hope it's sooner rather than later, because God knows what the deep state has planned for the rest of this year, going into a presidential election. Last time around, they sprung this virus on us, which they created. So God knows. So we need answers sooner rather than later before they spring the next thing on us. Dr. Naomi Wolf has been all over Fauci like white on rice And she is going to be here on Thursday to break it all down. She's got a new book. Actually, she had a new book a couple of weeks ago uh, or two months ago, and she's got a new one coming in April. I mean, I don't know how she does it. She's incredible. She's going to join us here on Thursday. Also, next week, we're going to start talking to some big candidates on this show. Uh, We've got a couple of other people, big, big folks that we're working on. So you're not going to want to miss a second of the Monica Crowley podcast. Speaking of big, Caitlyn Jenner needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one anyway because she deserves it. In the 1976 Olympic Games in Montreal, the athlete we know as Bruce Jenner won the gold medal in the decathlon, after which he took an American flag from a spectator and ran the track with it, creating a tradition that many if not most American Olympic medalists have continued to this day. 
Jenner became an absolute sensation and a pop culture icon, appearing in movies, television, and of course, that iconic Wheaties box. And even later, with his family on Keeping Up with the Kardashians as he was married to Kris Jenner. In 2015, Jenner announced her transition and came out as a trans woman, Caitlyn Jenner. And since then, she has talked openly about her own experience, the broader and political trans agenda, biological males competing against biological females, plus President Trump and the America First movement, and so much more. And she is here with us today to talk about all of it. She is also a Fox News contributor. Caitlin Jenner, welcome. Well, Monica, I'm exhausted just from the introduction. <laughs> well, to paraphrase Henry Kissinger in <laughs> to paraphrase Henry Kissinger in a different context, Caitlin, it has the added virtue yes, of being is. true. Yes. Um, no, I've. You know what? I, I. You know, I'm older now. I look back on my life. I look on all the things that I was able to accomplish and thing and the things that I've had to deal with in my life. And I just considering what. You know, for a better term, God made me when I was born and all the things that were in my head and I had to deal with, I just couldn't be any more proud. Yeah, I couldn't be any more feeling good about it. I think I accomplished everything I could possibly accomplish, you know, and then some, and it's not over yet. You know, there's always a lot of little wars to be fought out there. Oh, you have much more ahead of you because you're such an important voice on a range of issues. And we're going to talk about all of that. I was saying to uh, Caitlin before we came on the air, that it's such an honor and a pleasure to have her here because, you know, Caitlin, when I was a little girl and you won the gold medal and I remember I remember that win, and I remember your run around the stadium with that American flag, and I also remember your glorious hair. So, I, I mean, it was like the, the, the Bruce Jenner hair was like it, right? But as a little girl, you were just, you dazzled me, you dazzled the, the nation, you dazzled the world. Yes, well, thank you. And you know what? It's funny. Uh, you say that, the hair. Um because of who I was and nobody else knew it, the, the one thing in life I absolutely dreaded was getting my hair cut. You know, it's just I had all these other things going on in my head and it was just like society telling me I had to do it. And so anyway, uh, I was very proud. Do you want to know the story behind the flag? Uh, yes, I do. And by the way, before we do that, you still have the glorious hair. So <laughs> I just want to say that the Jenner hair is is really beautiful. But yeah, give us a story about that American flag, because so many Olympic medalists from the United States have done exactly what you did with the flag after after winning. Yeah, no, um, 1976 was a very special Olympics. It was kind of the last year of the amateur athlete. After that, things started to change and, you know, more professional athletes kind of came into the mix. But um, 1976 was also our country's bicentennial year. Uh, our country had just had the biggest Fourth of July celebration the country's ever had. We just celebrated 200 years old. Patriotism was at its height. 
if you remember, there were American flags, even though it was taking place in Canada, it was right across the river from the United States. So there was, you know, thousands of Americans there with American flags and everything. Well, I really had no, I really didn't know what I was going to do when I hit the finish line. Next thing I know, my hands went up in the air. I screamed bloody loud and I'm coming to a stop, slowly coming to a stop. And this guy starts banging into me from the side and he had two security guys on top of him. He's got this American flag in his hand and he's like putting it in my face. So I grabbed the flag. I'm a patriot. I love my country, you know? And so I grabbed the flag and now I have the flag in my hand. Now at this point, nobody else had ever put an American flag up at the finish line. Uh, The only one that had ever done anything in 1968, a few Olympics earlier, George Foreman put a little, very small little flag up when he, uh, after he won his gold medal. But that was it. But it didn't really catch on. And so I, I thought to myself, what do I do with the flag? You know, uh, is it too hot doggy? Is it too much? I literally have a camera five feet in front of me right in my face, you know. And I'm thinking, what do I do with it? I thought, well... I, I guess I got to put it up. I mean, I, I, I love my country. I, I'm proud to put it up. Boom, put the flag up in the air. 70,000 people all went crazy in the stadium. And I thought, well, that kind of worked, you know. And uh, so then I, I was walking a little farther. Now I still got the flag in my hand. And then I'm thinking, and one more time, I put it up just for a second. And uh, I thought, I, I felt like it was too much to do the whole victory lap, you know, with the flag in my hand, you know, and have the flag up. I just, it it just seemed too much for me. And so I thought, you know what, I'll take over, I'll wrap it up and I'll put it in my bag with all my stuff. And then I'll finish, I'll actually do the victory lap without the flag. And certainly there was enough flags in the stadium. (laughs) There were American flags everywhere. So just as I put it in my bag, I, I hear this big boo come out over the whole stadium. Mm. And I'm going, whoa, what's that about? And I turn around and I look. There was a second guy with another flag running across the infield towards me, and he had two security guys chasing him. <laughs> and they caught him about 20 yards from me. Boom, tackled him to the ground. The whole stadium booed him. And what does he have in his hand? This flag. So he's got this look on his face with these two security guys. And he has this look like, you know, the flag. And he's holding the flag out to me. So I run over to him. I grab the flag. I take it back. And I actually put the second flag in the back and did the victory lap actually without the flag. And uh, But the finish line picture of me at the finish line with the flag up in the air, that as as we say it, we, there was no internet back then, but that went viral. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that picture is iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. It went everywhere at the time. And to this very day, Caitlin, that image is so emblematic, not just of that, of that Olympic Games and not just of you as an elite athlete, but, but of a different time. So what do you make of these athletes now 
like a LeBron James that won't sing the national anthem, like a Colin Kaepernick that's taking a knee rather than stand proudly for the United States of America. What do you make of your fellow athletes who refuse to have pride in the United States of America and stand for the country that made them rich and famous and gave them those opportunities? Um, it, uh, I am very disappointed with them. We live in a country where you have the right to do what you want. Um, and I respect that right. But uh, it, that is not for me. See, Monica, we grew up in a different time. I grew up, my dad was a World War II veteran. Uh, my dad landed on Omaha Beach. My dad got Purple Hearts. He um, has 364 guys in his division who landed on the beach in Omaha. And 60 of them came back alive. Mm. You know, my dad died in 2000. He's buried at Arlington because he wanted to be with his war buddies. That's how I grew up. And uh, so I've always been very patriotic. I've always loved this country. And times were different then. Today, and I, and I, and I don't think for the better, uh, that has all changed. Um, and it's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, sometimes there is a little hope, Monica. Did you see just in the news in the last day, the hockey team who won the world championships, the good old US of A, they're all there proudly singing the national anthem. I, I, I was yeah, watching them all. I did re- see that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it reminded me of, of 1980, which was like the biggest uh, hockey game ever in, in history, you know, when not only did the hockey team, a bunch of nobodies, beat the Soviet Union, which was like a professional team, but then they came back in the next one and won the gold medal. And the patriotism, the place went crazy the patriotism was just this is 1980 was just off the charts it was such a great moment for america for history for hockey for everything and uh i I miss those things and i was really glad it kind of brought some very fond memories back and you know thank you usa hockey you know i think they did the right thing um and some of these other things that were trying to make uh political points and uh, you know, they had LeBron James. Uh, I'm obviously not a big fan. I respect him as an athlete, but, you know, walked in during the national anthem and just walked in and, and, and sat down during the national anthem where everybody else was standing. Um, it's just disrespectful. Um, and, yeah, uh, put it this way I'm not going to be hanging out with LeBron James. <laughs> That would be quite a thing. Actually, he can learn a lot from you, and he should be sitting down with you, but we know that he won't. You know, it's also... It, it is the result, Caitlin, of decades of indoctrination of generation after generation of kids coming up through the educational system, public school, private school, doesn't matter, where these radicals have been teaching our kids. And so this is like, we're, we're reaching the logical end point of decades of this kind of indoctrination that the United States is not worthy, the United States is a criminal nation, the United United States does not deserve your respect, right? So we have all of these kids. You know, it's one thing if it's like a sixth grader being steeped in this kind of thing, but LeBron James is a grown man. 
Okay, he knows better, and still he won't do So the idea that he would pick up an American flag like you did and run around proudly displaying his country's flag is like unthinkable, and how sad and pathetic is that? Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's very sad. We grew up in a different time, you and I. I bet you, because I remember when I was in school, in grade school growing up, what did we do every morning during homeroom? Everybody stood up, put their hand on their heart, said the Pledge of Allegiance. That's right. I did it for, I did it for years and years, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. We all did that. Um, and then eventually they threw that out, this and that. I think uh, I am uh, not in favor of the Department of Education. I think it was started in 78 by Jimmy Carter. I, I think that was kind of the beginning of the downfall um, of our educational system in the United States. Um, it has gone downhill, downhill, downhill. And the bigger the federal government is controlling our education in, in the United States, it has just gotten worse and worse and worse. And we have all these people, I hate to say it, of my generation, um, you know, all these hippies, I grew up, you know, in the sixties when there was Kent state and, um, you know, colleges going, uh, just going crazy with protests over Vietnam war and all of this stuff. Now I was at a tiny little college church school in Lamoni, Iowa, a place called Graceland college. There was no protest going on there. I missed all of that, which is good. I saw a little bit on TV and, but just didn't understand it. And now we have those people, you know, kind of the crazy 60s and 70s. Uh, we have them running our educational system. And you can see the results. I, yeah, go ahead. I like being patriotic. I like being patriotic. I love loving our flag. You know, I love talking about that. I love talking about what a great country we are. But to be honest with you, Monica, I, I have to say when I see the things going on in our country right now, and especially since Joe Biden got in, and I see what's happening right now, I am so disappointed in this country. I just can't believe this is happening. My father, who's buried at Arlington, if he could see what was happening to his country, that everybody around him died for our freedoms and for this great nation, you know? That's why they call it the greatest generation, and they were. It's certainly not right now. This is not the greatest generation in control right now, okay? They're about the destruction of this country. Mm -hmm. But if my father could see what has happened to this country, he would be devastated. I mean, he would cry, and he wasn't the type of person that would cry. Um, and it's just, it's sad, Monica. It's, it's sad that we're just letting this great nation slip through our fingers. You know, it wasn't the Hitlers of the world that are going to take our country down. It wasn't the Stalins of the world. We're going to take ourselves down. Here you go. Here's a question for you, Monica. Yeah. Since we can open it up. If we see what's happening, and they say, 
constitutional republic can only last, you know, 200 years or, you know, is it our freedoms, that freedom of speech, so many freedoms in our country that eventually the left and the people of the world will take us over. And I keep thinking, you know, because these other countries, and you look and see what's going on, there's no freedoms there. They are total control. Is that just humanity that does that, that we do this to ourselves? I, I just, I try to figure it out, and I, and I just can't, you know? Well, you know, Thomas Jefferson, the founding fathers, that gave us this beautiful gift called America, with a durable constitution and a bill of rights enshrining these basic human freedoms, they used to say, you know, with every generation, you're going to have to basically fight another revolution, whether it's an actual war, whether it's a a sort of metaphysical war for freedom, every generation. And Reagan said the same thing, that you need, freedom is one generation away from dissipating into the air. So you've got to be vigilant. Right. And you've got to have this robust attitude toward freedom. But it's also been said, I think Benjamin Franklin uh, said that freedom can only really survive and thrive in the hands of the virtuous. So the question is, are we still a virtuous people? Boy, that's a heavy question, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. So here's here's my question to add on to that. I see how politicians throughout, because, you know, we've been around for a while, Monica. We've seen quite a few things. But I don't think in, in American history we've ever had a group of politicians running this country that are more incompetent than they are today. Have we taken this system and we have just ourselves destroyed it um, for anybody, any guy or gal who's smart, who loves this country, who believes in this country, who knows how to fix this country um, and, and uh, follow our constitution, follow our bill of rights to the people. Um, can we even get those people to run anymore? Because if you run, you're going to be destroyed. Donald Trump, look what they're doing to this guy. Yes, and you... trying to destroy him. Yes, and you also also dipped your toe into the political world and and began to run for governor of California, so you experienced this as well. We're in a system now, Caitlin, where good people don't want to put their head up because you could have the FBI at your uh, doorstep in two seconds. They will destroy your life. They'll bankrupt you. They could even imprison you, as you're talking about Donald Trump. All of these things that we're seeing with the weaponization of government, they're all messaging events because they're messaging to you, Caitlyn Jenner. They're messaging to me, Monica Crowley. Don't even think about it because if you do, we will destroy you the way we're destroying Donald Trump, the January 6th defendants, and everybody else. Yes, absolutely. And we've weaponized um, over the years. It's not, I would say slowly, but not really, you know, in a matter of time in the last 20 years, that's not slow. Um, we've, uh, we've put people into position. I mean, 
that should never be involved. They, they do it for all the wrong reasons. I, I think there's so many of them do it because they want to be celebrities. They want to get clicks, social media, all this kind of stuff. Oh, I can go in there, you know, I can run and I can, you know, give a good speech and I can say all the right things and get elected and be like famous and everybody. And, and it's just, they're incompetent. I mean, I, I see these people on TV and you can't believe who ever, I mean, I, I hate to say I have to have agreed with him on a few things lately, but John Fetterman, the guy couldn't even, I mean, he, he was in such rough shape, physically, mentally, um, and the people of Pennsylvania elected this guy. And I'm going, how can this happen? Now, since then, he's actually come up on a few subjects in the, that I actually agreed with him on, but still, um, why do we do this to ourselves? It, it really you is know? because... You're exactly right that re- that um, great empires and in particular democracies uh, and or republics where a republic generally last about 200 years because the people get prosperous. So they get rich, they get complacent, they start electing or wanting to keep into power people who are deeply, deeply corrupt, who have weaponized the government against us and the, against them. And this goes all the way back to the Greek empire, the Roman empire. It's the same cycle because of human nature. Yeah, same thing. Right. And so now what we've got, you've got a uni party. um, So you've got Republicans who are just there to enrich and empower themselves. And then you've got that on the Democrat side. But on the Democrat side, Caitlin, you also have Marxists. So the Democratic Party of today is not the Democratic Party of Bill Clinton or Franklin Roosevelt or John F. Kennedy. This is a Marxist revolution that we are living through right now. And this is why they they have turned the entire government against people like you and me who have a dissenting point of view. And certainly Donald Trump, Elon Musk, anybody who stands up for free speech for the country, we are in the crosshairs. So we are in a tyranny right now. We've allowed it to happen, but it's not too late. But we need your voice. We need everybody's voice standing up and doing the hard work to fight for America. I I am with you 100%. I mean, you know, we both have been around long enough that we've seen the other side. You see a generation coming up and this is all they knew. You know, all they know is what's what's happening today. And they went through the educational process and everything. And they're just, um, <clears throat> they think this is what, oh, all countries should be like this. Kind of socialist countries, very strong leaders and on and on and on. You know, look what's happening Trudeau up in Canada. I mean, the guy is just weaponized government and just destroying Canada. I mean, it's it's so sad. I loved it. I used to love to go to Canada. I won the games in Canada. That's right. Gold out of that country, you know, and uh, to see it go down, down, down. And, and we're coming around and doing the same thing. And they use everything. I mean, I, I think... Uh, the the trans community has been used as a weapon, you know, um, uh, politically, and so it's it's difficult. I mean, it's just we're living in really tough times. I would hope that we can fix it. 
you know, we have a constitution, we have a bill of rights. Those are the laws of our land. Let's stick to it. Let's get the right people in there, smart people that are strong and can really make a difference. This is an absolutely fascinating conversation. Caitlin, please stand by. We've got to hit a quick break. We are coming right back. Okay, we are back with Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn's website is CaitlynJenner.com. I I would agree with you on the incompetence part. I think that that's an important piece of this, but I think the most important piece of this is you have communist revolutionaries running the government and the ideology of communism, communism, just, it, it never dies. Caitlin, it just gets rebranded. So now it's rebranded as wokeness, political correctness, uh, critical race theory, ESG, DEI, the whole alphabet soup it's all still marxism and i want to talk to you about the trans community because you are the most prominent voice um uh, in that community and that there is a huge difference between the choice that you made and, and you can talk a little bit about your personal journey if you want and when you when you first sensed maybe as a child or as a teenager that something was not aligned correctly in you if you want to talk about that's fine but the the trans movement like it's one thing for an individual as an adult as you were to make that informed choice to transition versus what the communists are doing which is targeting children down to nursery school age to confuse them deliberately about their gender rather than have it as an organic thing as it came up with you. It's being pressed as a political agenda for a whole variety of reasons. Can you, because you are the most prominent trans voice, can you address this and talk about, we're talking about two separate things, the path that you took, which I think most people would say, look, we want everybody to be happy, to be comfortable in their own skin, to live in their own truth and identity versus the revolution that we're seeing that is targeting children. Yes. I know it's a big issue. Is this a a subject? Um, uh, This, I, because I've had to grow in the last, it's been nine years since I came and since I came out. Nine years. Uh, Has my thinking changed in the last nine years? Absolutely. Big time. You know, I feel like Today, the bottom line for all of this, and you see what they're doing with, you know, the trans people out there is they're, they're, everything I see, they're trying to destroy the family unit. Okay. Government is trying to take over everything. And what has always made our country so strong is we've always had a really strong family unit. When I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, I mean, everybody had their little house on the street. We had all our buddies and the family unit was very, very strong, you know. Um, And so to make government bigger, they have to destroy the family unit. Yes. They want it. They they have to take over, you know, the kids. 
I hate to see this radical gender ideology that they have come up with over the last years. Now, I mean, I can see what's happening. Um, This gender ideology has become a, a major business, okay, in our country. People are profiting off it. It has become a cult. You know, um, I, the only reference I had, because the only thing I can go back on is back in the, uh, I'm also dyslexic. I grew up dyslexic kid, uh, gender dysphoric. I mean, nobody knew I was gender dysphoric because you didn't talk about it back then. Uh, but the dyslexic, obviously, I perceptually had a hard time picking words up off a piece of paper. And it causes a lot of problems. And anyway, I went through, won the games. I got into sports. That was my thing. I went crazy on it. Won the games. About a year later, uh, this guy, local TV station, calls and says, uh, we heard that you were dyslexic. Would you mind talking about it? And I thought, um, yeah, why not? It might be good. Help some kids out, you know? And uh, and so he came over. We did the thing. And for a better term, it, it you know, for today's terms, it went viral. It went all over the place. Over the next couple of years, I had all these people calling me up, asking if I'd give a speech about being dyslexic. They started um, uh, this being dyslexic, which was hardly anybody even knew what it meant, became a big word. I mean, parents, uh, they're starting uh, schools for dyslexic kids. They, this, the psychiatry, you know, the psychologists are out there you know, uh, tutoring kids who are dyslexic parents know what this is. And, oh, my God, if their kid changes the word around or has just a little bit of problem in reading, they said, oh, I have to get special help for him. And so I'm going to get him to this doctor and we're going to figure this stuff out, you know. Um, and, and, and I'm a parent and I, and I see kids. I mean, I raised 10 kids. I got 23 grandchildren. The 24th one's on the way. And, you know, kids, they go through a million things, you know, um, it's, um, uh, let's kind of just let the kids be kids. Things are going to change. What I don't want is to make, especially when it comes to gen- being gender dysphoric, stop and making radical, you know, surgical changes to these young kids that they're going to have to live with for the rest of their life. They're going to get sterile. It's going to, could destroy their life. And, you know, yeah. And so I just, the kids are being indoctrinated into this stuff and we just can't do that. And I want to, I want to stop that. Leave the kids alone. Okay. Kids will figure it out. Parents will figure it out. I don't want government involved in this process whatsoever stay away from my kids these are kids that should be brought up by the with the parents um if they really think there's something maybe get some get some help psychiatry whatever um but don't destroy the family unit yeah protect the children that's the most important thing your voice is so important on this because as I said, you are the most prominent uh, trans individual in America, maybe even in the West, 
Caitlyn Jenner. So Mm -hmm. you speaking out on this is so important because this has become part of a very dark political, social, cultural agenda. They've taken gender dysphoria, they've taken gender and turned it into a weapon of cultural Marxism. This is a way of poisoning minds. It's a way of destroying the nuclear family, as you say. It's a way of creating a standing army for the left forever into the future. So it has been weaponized. And I want to ask you about a couple of different ways it's been weaponized. First, by the targeting of the youngest of children, like kindergarten or nursery school with these messages. Is that, in your mind, is that child abuse? Yes, it certainly is child abuse. Um, What they're trying to do is they're trying to replace the family with government. Right. Uh, They are bringing, yes, they are bringing government. Government is everywhere now. I mean, it's just, I I see every time you turn around, it's government. It's more money. You got to pay higher taxes. They got to have this. You can't do this. You can't do that. Just in, you know, we've lived, uh, Monica, we've lived in an extraordinary time. We've seen the country change so drastically where the young people of today, they figure, oh, you know, of course, government's big and they're going to tell us to do this and they're going to they've, they've accepted it because they grew up with it. We did not grow up with it, you know, and and so uh, uh, I am so committed to uh, trying to keep government out of our lives, you know. And why are they doing this? Why are they trying to make government bigger and bigger? Power. Stronger. Power. And it comes down to that. It comes down to the these, And especially right now when we have the most incompetent people in our government, like nothing before, so incompetent. And and they want the power because probably they never had power before in their life. And they they there is, you know, it's it's a drug to them, you know. Like being an alcoholic, you know, you got to have a drink. You got to have a drink. Well, they got to have, you know, they got to have their power. And I want to tell people what to do all the time. And they're drunk with power. And so it's just, um, it's so sad to see. I want our country to stay, you know, I mean, obviously you have to move forward, but I am 100%. And even with all of this stuff with the uh, trans, trans kids and this and that, leave our kids alone. Keep government out of it, okay? Uh, for me, you know, when you're you're born this way, uh, being gender dysphoric, if you firmly believe that in the concept of gender dysphoria in in your your brain, okay, I mean, basically, you struggle with your identity and about who you are and what your gender is and everything. It's just it's been around forever in history, and it's not going to change. You know, uh, I don't know. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Okay, I'm left-handed. Why are you right-handed, and why am I left-handed? Nobody can ever answer that question to me, okay? That's just the way we were made, and we're different, you know? And that's okay, and that's a good thing. That's what makes humanity so good because we are all different. Okay. And we're kind of born in a different way. And I was gender dysphoric my whole life, you know, not only being dyslexic, my whole life. I mean, I was a little kid. I deal with it. 
if we can understand that the concept of being gender dysphoric is real, and I try to tell people, because it was my entire life, if you ever read my book, Secrets of My Life, I told, I told everything um, in that book about all the things that I had gone through in my life. And I mean, it was, I, I read the book today and it's like, oh my God, I don't want to go back there. My life was so confusing because I couldn't talk about it to anybody. I couldn't do anything. I snuck around. I always felt like I was a liar, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I was lying to everybody. Nobody knew who I really was. You know, I have this little image, this Bruce Jenner. Yay. He's out there. And God, he's great. And, you know, on and on and on. But that was just that was just a part of me because inside of me, little Caitlin was living. Now, today, it's just the opposite. Caitlin gets to live on the outside. Little Bruce is on the inside, which is great, you know, which is great. But um, and uh, but it's just it's how to deal with it. If you believe that gender dysphoria is real and I would say 100 percent. It's not a mental disease. It's, it's a mental condition, just like anything else. And, um, but for me, it's such a small part of my life. You know, I mean, I, I just wake up in the morning and be myself now. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I, I don't have to lie to anybody anymore. You know, I just be myself, whatever that is, but I be myself, you know, and so uh, that's kind of the way I've been able to uh, to deal with it in my life. Every story is different, you know, you know, and as people who are truly, truly gender dysphoric. OK, and I mean, I have met these people. I mean, at a very young age, you know, they know exactly, you know, uh, but there's not that many of them. It's a, it's a small group of people in the first place who are dealing with it. And the ones that are truly, severely, I'm going to say severely, gender dysphoric are very, very few. But it is real. And they need to do what they need to do at a very young age. And and you know what? Every human being deserves compassion and understanding. But what you're describing, Caitlin, in terms... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, no, they, they they need to do... But we also need to protect our children. Because right now... See, when I was growing up, I didn't even... There wasn't even a word. Um... There wasn't even a word for being gender dysphoric. I just didn't even know, uh, you know. Um, I didn't even know. And so I got no information. I mean, I was in the 80s before I finally uh, found, uh, uh, I watched a, a thing on TV in the news and uh, about a gender clinic. I said, they have those? Anyway, I couldn't find a doctor to be able to talk to. But today, these these kids are being indoctrinated. You know, I couldn't find any information back then. Today, the Internet has changed everything. You know, I had no information growing up. Today, these kids growing up are being indoctrinated on the Internet. um, And it becomes like almost a fad. 
Well, um, it, it's been described as a. Yeah. No, I was so. just going to say, Caitlin, it's been described as a social contagion because it's being pushed and advanced on kids that may not have any gender dysphoria whatsoever, but it is being pushed by teachers, by medical professionals, by the teachers' unions, by uh, certain religious organizations. It's everywhere in society, in the culture, movies, television, music, so that a kid who might not have gender uh, confusion now looks at it as maybe the hip, cool thing to be or to do, and boom. I mean, you're hearing now schools like 25, 30% of the student body are now uh, coming out as, uh, you know, trans or gender confused. And you're, to your point, the actual number is very small. Yeah. Yeah. There's honestly, you're, you're absolutely right. People who are truly gender dysphoric, that number is extraordinarily small. But as you know, young kids growing up today, and if you're being, if you're growing up and in being indoctrinated, honestly, by government, by social media, by all those things that are happening, uh, and just to make, you know, government uh, a lot bigger and destroy the family unit, um, it, um, it is so sad because these kids and you see the, the amount of kids that are detransitioning and, you know, kind of got all, you know, they, as you said earlier, it was all was so cool, you know, uh, to, to be in the LGBT community. Oh, you're cool. Cause you're in the LGBT community. You know? Um, and when it's, it's really not, we, what we have to do, this is not just a fad you know, today, but what we really have to do is we have to protect our children. I mean, the bottom line is we have to protect our children, shield them from all of these types of things, have a good, really good relationship and a good, strong family structure, not government, you know, but we need that family unit. I grew up in a real strong family unit. I can't, honestly, Monica, and I've thought about this. I can't even imagine growing up today. You know, I can't even, I'm so glad I grew up when I did grow up, you know, I had no indoctrination. I couldn't find any in, information, uh, uh, any information whatsoever out there, you know, and that's good. I was okay. I went through it. You know what I did? I found, I found sports and, um, I got, I had, I got into sports and honestly, I looked. I look back on it. Why was I that intense about sports when I found that I latched onto it? It was my thing. Why? Because I was in the classroom. I was a dyslexic kid. I was always in the slower classes. I was gender dysphoric, but nobody knew. And I couldn't talk to it about anybody. And all of a sudden, this thing comes along in, in, in fifth grade, a running race, and I beat everybody in the whole school. And that was the first time I ever accomplished anything in school. But I found my, my, what I call my one thing, and that was sports. And that's why I was more intense than the next person. I had to do more stuff, you know? And so, uh, uh, yeah, and so uh, I latched onto it. And as time went on, I realized that, wait a second, I, I couldn't let go of it. This was my way to prove myself. You know, my manliness, everything about it, that I'm better than somebody else. 
I took it all the way to the games, you know? And so I was like invincible in sports, you know, it was great, you know, you know, and especially today, these doctors are at a young age, uh, are promoting surgeries, getting on hormones. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that is not the answer. Let these children grow up, you know, and then once they're 18 or 21, or in your case, you know, 60, you know, whatever the case might be for the individual. Yeah. Yeah. The time, the time is right. You don't have to do it. Yeah. It, it's transitioning medical treatment, all that stuff. We, we have just, to, we have to, the bottom line is protect their children. Most likely, you know, don't, you know, don't listen to the indoctrination that's going on out there, okay? Be your own self. Find out what the best thing to do for you is. You know, it's in, don't, you don't want to make life-altering changes at a young age because I guarantee you, as you go through life, okay, and, and right now play with this fad that's going on and all this publicity is going on, um, take your time, be smart. There's plenty of time to do what you need to do. And don't do any of these irreversible surgeries or medications that they're promoting that could sterility again. The kids, you know, uh, they're just being indoctrinated. And this has to stop. It does, but we... We need parents, teachers, medical professionals. They all need to be on the same page with what you're laying out, Caitlin, because so many parents want to be perceived as tolerant and cool, and they're encouraging this, and their kindergartners and teachers are pushing it. It's all part of a, a bigger agenda that is, you know, a very dark agenda. You're describing taking it on an individual by individual basis, and that's what we should be doing. But as a society, yeah, we're not. Absolutely. Right now on the sports part of it, I, I got to ask you about the sports part of it, because obviously you're a legendary athlete. Um, we have now, as part of this bigger, darker agenda, biological males competing against biological females in sports. I just had Riley Gaines on this show. Um, and she gave us a, you know, I mean, she is wise beyond her years on this issue. You have also spoken out against this, but why is it that it's only basically you and Martina Navratilova speaking out against this madness? Where are all of the other responsible voices in sports? I agree with that. Where are they? Yes. First of all, um, I have been from the beginning, and I think Riley Gates, she does a great job. We, you know, we're friends. We kind of work on some of this stuff together. Her from the girl athlete standpoint, my from uh, uh, the uh, uh, the trans side of it. But it's wrong. Okay. Uh, I I have transitioned. What's it like nine years ago? Okay. And no more testosterone. No more nothing. This and that, I can still hit the golf ball 280 yards. Okay, I'm, you know, and uh, I've been through the whole process. We have to, you know, I don't know why the sporting community, okay, the people in charge of rules and regulations, 
are acting the way they are. I don't know if, if, if they're thinking letting biological boys into women's sports is going to make women's sports better. No, it's going to make it worse. You know, um, this is how far I'll, I'll back up a little bit here. I don't know if you just noticed just in the last couple of weeks, uh, USA boxing is letting, um, uh, a trans, uh, woman compete in uh, in boxing. And, uh, the Olympic committee has been dealing with this issue forever. Okay. And I don't know where people have all of a sudden changed their mind, but you may not know this back in the sixties. Oh, you're old enough to remember this one. Back in the 60s and 70s, we had the Soviet Union and East Germany. And you remember watching the Olympics in the like early 80s, and you watched the East German women. Okay? We wondered if they were really women. <laughs> These girls were huge. In 1976, I went to my last lifting workout in the village, in the gym. I'm going to compete in five days. This was a maximum, you know, list of one quality workout. And this girl comes in. Okay, she was huge from East Germany. I think she was an East German uh, shot put or discus thrower. And she outlifted me. And I'm going, wait a second. I got to get out of this gym. You know, the chicks are outlifting me and I got to go take on the world here in five days. (laughs) My head. Um, Yeah, but. They started in 1968. Uh, all women, because they're afraid, and they had found a few biological men competing in women's sports uh, for the East Germany, Soviet Union, and all of this, that women, for the longest time, had to come in and they had to get a, a cotton swab, wipe the inside of their mouth to make sure that they were XX. Chromosomes were right. Okay? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but then they worked with doctors and they, they just made monsters at these girls. And, but that's, that's going to kill their future. And so uh, they really took it seriously. So for the, at the Olympic level, this went on for years to try to keep biological boys out of women's sports, protect women's sports. What were they doing? All these girls, before they competed in the Olympics, had to go in beforehand take the cotton swab, make sure that their chromosomes were XX, and then they went on. What happened today? They're like encouraging. They knew it was wrong back then. But today, I don't know, is it this woke world that we're living in right now that everybody's equal? No, they're not. There's a difference between men and women. No question about it. And, and that's honestly, Monica, that's a great thing. Yes. That should be celebrated. Yes. That should be celebrated. And it's just, uh, it's trying to make everybody the same. It's just, uh, we, we have to stop this and we've got to keep, you know, once the people that are gender dysphoric and they try to get into another sport, you know, Leah Thomas comes up all the time, obviously. And, uh, for what she did because of swimming and she really brought this issue forward. Was Leah Thomas making women swimming better? No, she was making it worse. And it wasn't good for women's sports. I, I want to protect women just like I want to protect children. I want to protect women too. You know, they don't need to be competing against these biological boys. You know, so um, 
it's just got to stay fair. We've got to stop this woke world we're in right now. We're destroying ourselves. Okay, Caitlin, please hang tight. We've got much more to get to with you straight ahead. Okay, we're back with Caitlyn Jenner and one of the most important and fascinating conversations you will hear. It's so grossly unfair, and it's about the erasure of women. They are erasing women, Caitlin. I mean, the, the, the folks on the left who for three, four decades now with the women's movement and women's liberation and the feminist movement and all of that, they are more than fine with embracing this kind of erasing of women along with all the opportunities that go along with being a stellar female athlete, scholarships, Uh, medals, you name it, they're taking it away from young girls, teenagers, and young women, and giving it to dudes. I mean, but what I don't understand is, you know, you, well, maybe I do understand. Martina Navratilova, she and you are the only two real uh, elite athletes of note coming out against this. But Martina came out against it, and there was a huge pylon on her. The entire trans community, the LGBTQ community, they all piled on her. And so she took a step back and she said, oh, okay, let me go do some more research. I understand people are upset by what I said. I'm going to go look into this. And then a couple of months later, she came back out and said, yeah, I looked into this. It's still wrong. It's still bad. And the bullies backed off from her because like you, she's a legend. So they sort of let her go at that point. But I think it's only the two of you because everybody else is afraid of the pylon. They're afraid of the headlines. They're afraid of being called a bigot and everything else. And so with everybody cowering in the corner, Caitlin, no, no, nothing gets done. We're not going to win this war if everybody is afraid to speak out about the truth. I'm with you 100%. You know what? I, I, especially in the last few years, and I've, I've kind of matured in a lot of ways uh, over, you know, learning so much about life over the last, uh, you know, six or nine years. Um, and I just wonder why, and especially when it comes to sports, uh, they're not making women's sports any better. You know, I, I was involved, Donna Devereaux, I don't know if you remember Donna, great swimmer. She was very involved. She was a good friend. I was working with her and uh, doing sports work. Um, and I think we were at NBC or ABC at the time. And uh, we were good friends. And that was the time when Title IX was uh, going, going through and they were trying to get equality in women's sports. And you had all the feminists and all the people, you know, working on Title IX. And you know what? It went through. And you know what? It was a really good thing for women and a great thing for women athletes. Okay. It created opportunities for them in school. Um, it's scholarships programs. These women went on to have better careers. It was nothing but positive, positive, positive. And all the feminist movement was all behind it. It was good, 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 good. Now today they're trying to tear all that down, you know, and to be honest with you, where is the feminist movement? Not just the athletes, not just the Riley Games of the world, but where is the feminist movement mm-hmm. in this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, they're, they're not even, they're, you don't even see them anywhere. Have they just given up on this 
this movement? Yeah. Trans, trans biological boys, men, uh, will ruin women's sports. You know? And where are all the feminist movements? They're not even, besides a couple of athletes that are speaking up, and maybe myself, we're the only ones speaking up for this. You know? All women should be just screaming at the top of their lungs. This is wrong. Give us our space. You know? Women need their space. They do. And you've got like Riley Gaines talks about this all the time. You know, you're in the locker room. You're totally vulnerable as a young woman or a teenage girl. You're naked. You're changing clothes. You're trying to take a shower. You're there with your your teammates. And all of a sudden you got a dude walking through the locker room with all flags flying. Caitlin, I mean, no, nobody should be put in that position in the most vulnerable state they can possibly be. I, I agree with you 100%. And here's the bottom line. People who are trans and have struggled with their identity and actually have the guts or whatever it is, a change, um, they have to do it with dignity. They have to realize that they are different and not everybody accepts them. Okay? So have some dignity when you do it and respect for other people. You are different. I am different today. Good analogy. Sherwood. Uh, I, I play golf at a place called Sherwood country club. Um, I've been there for, you know, 24 years, a long time. I love my golf game and Sherwood's a great place. Great club. And when, and I never told them what was going on, and when I transitioned, uh, the club goes, oh, <laughs> what are we going to do about Caitlin? You know, and they really kind of did it, I feel, like the right way. The course, they were doing a lot of construction on the course, so the course was down for months. But finally, when it opened up again and I came back, I went in and met with the uh, head of the club. And uh, he said, well, this is what we did. They had their board together. Uh, I was kicked out of the men's um, uh, club. <laughs> and that's been like nine years and I've never gone back, uh, which is fine. Um, they moved my locker from the men's club to the ladies' locker room. Um, and uh, and the ladies, uh, they have a, a eating area up there for all the women. And Monica, first of all, I'm so much happier up there. The conversations are much better. <laughs> yes, women are much cooler, yeah, much Caitlin, aren't we? <laughs> yes, but I treat that that with respect. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I know some of the women there they they don't like me hanging out there. I don't. I very rarely ever go there. I they, I have a locker there, but I've never dressed or undressed. If I was going to do it on a couple of occasions because I, I had to change clothes, I went into one of the women's stalls and I shut the door, changed my clothes, came back out, and I'm fully transitioned, okay? <laughs> I'm not hiding anything, you know? Mm -hmm. But out of respect to other people, I just I feel more comfortable doing it that way, you know? Because I, I am different, you know? And so just 
treat the position that you are with with respect and and respect other people's feelings and you'll you'll be much happier and everybody around you'll be more happy Yes. And as a society, we need to be doing that too. Uh, Before we let you go, Caitlin, I've got two big questions for you. The first one is that we have seen a spate of mass shootings over the past couple of years, including one just last week, by shooters who uh, identify as trans. But they are clearly disturbed people, right? Because obviously not every trans teenager or young adult is shooting people. So the people doing this are mentally disturbed. But there is a lot of talk that trans itself is a mental illness. What do you say to that? This wasn't happening uh, 10 years ago, was it? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, now, with this, you know, the media is to blame, too, for all of this with the media constantly. Here we are talking about it. We're on the media, okay? We're talking about these issues. Hopefully with some common sense, you know? A little intelligence, a little common sense, a little understanding for other people. Um, yeah, uh, it is... I don't think the reason they're... Personally, I'm not a doctor, okay? The reason they're doing it is because they're trans or any of that, Okay. Um, but they obviously, uh, they have a mental condition because if you go around and, and do this, it, it's a lot more sick human being than just being trans and struggling with your identity. Um, and so, uh, it's unfortunate we see this, um, honestly in the, in the past, if that might've happened, nobody would even talk about it because it wasn't even an issue. Uh, but today it is. And they bring it forward. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I honestly, I blame the media an awful lot for a lot of this stuff. You know, it's just, they just won't give up on it. They won't just let it go. You know, leave, leave our kids alone. Stop talking about it. How did we survive and, and humanity survived for the last thousands of years? You know, this is nothing new in humanity only new in the media mm. it's just, and and part of a bigger part of a bigger ideological agenda for power so it's being pushed yeah. on these kids as we talked about so if you've got an emotionally disturbed kid anyway or you've got a kid who's yeah. questioning their identity or just being a vulnerable teenager and this stuff is being in a very oppressive way pressed down on them they are going to act out and and we're seeing it yeah. in in a lot of violence, and it's really terrifying. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, you care to see that? Was it Denzel Washington? I love him. He's such a sharp guy. And uh, Mike Wallace doing an interview, and they were talking about uh, racism, this and that, and. Denzel goes, you know, Mike, just stop talking about it. He goes, why don't I just call you Mike and you call me Denzel and we're going to be fine. Stop talking about it. And he has, and he has such a good point. And it's the same thing. We go through these cycles in the media, you know, which is ever kind of a hot subject. And lately being gendered as for trans people, all of this, although it's such a small part of our, 
of, of society, of humanity. It's, it's like nothing. But that's what they want to talk about all the time. It's like the, the flavor of the month, you know? And this, this will pass, and we'll move on to some other flavor of the month it'll be. But um, it's unfortunate because I think this is hurting a lot of especially young people, vulnerable people. Um, you know, I can't even imagine if I grew up in today's society. Um, you know, here I was, gender dysphoric. And I was struggling. I couldn't get any information. I think just get all this stuff out of your head. Um, and uh, it's going to be okay. Lucky I found sports. And I just dove into that. I could prove my masculinity. I loved it. I was good at it. And I jumped, you know, I, I went into it full force for until I was 26 years old. And, um, but what if I would have grown up in today's society and I had a school teacher, a math teacher, when I was like in sixth or seventh grade talking about gender ideology. And I'd be sitting there in the classroom and go, oh my God, that she's talking about me. No way. And then they said, well, you need to do something about this, you know? Well, uh, you know, in my life, no, I didn't. I, I waited till it was time. Every journey is different. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no one way to deal with this subject. There's no one way. Everybody does it on their own. Most important thing is a good family structure, a good relationship with your family. If they bring a psychiatrist, psychiatrist, somebody in there to bring a doctor in to see what if it's the right thing to do, that's their decision, not for the government and not for some math, math teacher, you know, uh, to be teaching, you know, oh, no, you've got to get something done. We need to go over here. The only, the only way you're going to be happy is if you transition and, you know, have surgeries and you get on hormones. And you don't... No, that is not the case. It's a permanent solution for a temporary problem. They also play the suicide card. Like your child will commit suicide unless they do that, which is really a a form of child abuse. Let me ask you this, Caitlin, um, because we've taken up so much of your time. You've been so generous. What do you say on, on this very subject? What do you say to some of your critics who say it was fine for you to transition as an adult? Adults can do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting themselves or anybody else. But that when you went so public with the Kardashian show and your specials and your own show and the cover of Vanity Fair, that you played a big role in normalizing this and therefore accelerating it. How do you answer that? <laughs> you're you're absolutely right, and I struggle with that. Um, when I finally, I was in the public eye, and, and I thought, if I do this, should I like move to Alaska to the backwoods of Alaska and uh, transition and just live my life up there? Um, that doesn't sound too exciting. I am heavily into the media world. At that time, we had the show. You know, there was like the number one reality show in the world. It's all over. Very famous family. Um, I couldn't. I, I, I wanted this to be a story that maybe could help some people. If I, if, because the tabloids were all over me. I would have like four cars sometimes five cars of paparazzi following me every place I went. 
you know. Eventually, it got to the point where uh, uh, I would go to the golf course as Caitlin, go to the golf course, and I had a helicopter flying over to see what tees I was teeing off on. Was I teeing off on the women's tees or the men's tees? Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, Monica, I still tee off at the men's tees. It's okay. Mm. <laughs> but I, I couldn't do it quietly, mm-hmm. okay, and because then it would become a tabloid story. They would find me. Oh, boy, they would find me eventually. It may take them a year, whatever, they'd find me, and then it would be a tabloid story. Oh, my God, look what happened. I wanted it to be, that's why I picked Diane Sawyer. Um, uh, she is a news journalist, one of the best ever. Um, I thought she would do the best job, and she agreed to do it. Um, uh, and for coming out, I made a conscious decision with Vanity Fair. It was kind of edgy, and I thought they were that magazine, and they do a good job and respectful. And I even told Diane Sawyer, I don't want this just about me. I want it about this, this not this community, but this whole condition that a lot of people live with. It was more than just me. And so my first public appearance was at the ESPYs, um, you know, which was huge. And uh, uh, I thought maybe me coming out could do some good. Boy, have I learned a lot. (laughs) Not Mm -hmm. that I would have done it any differently Mm -hmm. today. Um, But uh, I was used. And then as time went on, uh, just like I was telling you earlier about being dyslexic, it kind of got out of hand, you know, over the next couple of years. It's like now everybody's dyslexic. And it started this whole industrial complex about dyslexic people and, you know, getting people to pay money and do all this sort of stuff. Today, it was, it was the same. As time went on, I started realizing, wait a second, uh, this is getting totally out of hand, getting totally misrepresented by the media. I'm getting taken advantage of, mm-hmm. okay, of mm-hmm. my story. They're taking advantage of it to promote uh, this gender ideology that the government wants to have and, you know, to work on breaking up the, the, the family. And it, I, I changed my thinking big time, you know. Um, I, I changed my thinking. I, I slowly try to stay away as much as I can um, on this issue with people. I'm very, very selective of the interviews and the people that I talk to because I know I'm going to be handled uh, if this subject is going to be handled in the right way. Thank you, Monica. Oh, thank and you. you. Um, yeah, and, and to handle it in the right way. This is not a joke. This is not something that should be trivialized. Um, it, this is real. Gender dysphoria is real. It, uh, it needs to be dealt with uh, in the best possible way. As you said earlier, we have a suicide rate that's nine times higher uh, than the general public. I don't want that to happen. Um, uh, I want these young kids, especially in, with young kids, um, that I want them to get and feel comfortable with themselves and do whatever is right for them. Not what's right for government, not what's right for this and that. Do what's right for them. And that should be decided be, within the family structure. And again, there is a big difference between making an informed choice as an adult, as you did, and having this forced on you as a child by forces using those children for a political agenda and destroying that child's life in the process. 
Um, final question for you, Caitlin. You have said that it was harder for you to come out as a Republican than it was for you to come out as trans. I completely understand that. <laughs> I get it totally. Well, that was actually Diane Sawyer asked me in the first interview. I was still Bruce at the time. Asked me in the first interview when we're talking about all my things that have gone through and on and on and on. And then she goes, oh, by the way, I hear you're a Republican. (laughs) And I I kind of backed up in the seat because I wasn't expecting that. And I go, "Uh, yeah, is that okay? There's two parties. There's Democrats. There's Republicans. Yeah, I'm on the Republican side. And she and I got more. It was a bigger story that I was a Republican than I was that I was trans. It's just unbelievable. And I've always stayed on the Republican side. Yes, yeah. and we so appreciate you doing that and and being a voice on all these issues. Are you still? This is a presidential election year. Are you still supporting President Trump? Are you still America First? Um, what we need um, is uh, we need an alpha male uh, to go into that office so knows what he's doing and. Uh, and the only one that's going to do that is Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. We have some other good candidates. They're good. Um, they would probably get 50% done, okay, compared to Donald Trump will get 100% things done, okay? He's not afraid. He's going to go in there. He's strong. Um, I, I hope. <laughs> um, uh, I, I just, it's. It's our last hope as a country that he's got to get back in for four years. And then I'll take any one of those other candidates after that. But he's got to put the brakes on on this country, you know, and stop the direction that we're heading. And he's the only guy that, you know, for a better term, got the balls to do it. That is a fantastic description and absolutely right on target. And I know he appreciates your support, yes, yes. Caitlin, very much. We were right on target on that one. <laughs> we stayed on theme yes. throughout our entire talk, Caitlin. Um, you were absolutely yes. amazing. I am so blessed now to call you a friend. Thank you so much. Are there any upcoming projects that you'd like to tell us about? Anything you can tease? You know what? It's just uh, this year, I think, is going to be um, uh, just a lot of political stuff. Um, uh, You know, we got Iowa here, uh, you know, and it's kind of just beginning. Um, I think there's going to be a million things going on. Um, I want to whoever the Republican candidate is. um, I obviously think it's going to be Donald Trump, uh, but I will support them. Um, we can see what the Democrats have done to this nation. Um, I think now it's, it's even more visible um, um, what they're capable of doing. And uh, I don't like it. And America doesn't like it. And so uh, we got to stop it. So that stuff. And I, yeah, I, I still in, enjoy working. Actually, I even have a podcast that we're working on. But that's, uh, it's, it's, we've already done some shows. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. But uh, we'll 
We'll keep that quiet for right now. <laughs> well, we all look forward to that very much. Your website is CaitlinJenner.com. If you want more information about Caitlin and everything she is working on, CaitlinJenner.com. Also on X, previously known as Twitter, Caitlin underscore Jenner. And on Instagram at Caitlin Jenner. Uh, is there anywhere else people can find you on social media? No, or Okay. I'm very... Um, on the old Twitter thing, uh, I'm very active. <laughs> yes, you are. I love your I tweets. I like them all the time. It's wonderful. I know. I'm not afraid to speak my mind. Thank you, Elon Musk. You know, because uh, they canceled me. They you know, shadow banned me uh, until Elon bought it. And then, oh, my God, I, my followers went way up. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Actually, you know what? On on uh, on Twitter, I, I I have a Guinness Book of World Records on Twitter. You probably don't know this. Mm. I got a Guinness Book of World Records uh, for the fastest to go from zero to a million followers. Wow. It happened when the Vanity Fair cover came out. I was not on social media until as soon as that thing came out on the Internet hit the internet, the uh, Twitter account started. And I went from zero to a million in four hours and 20 minutes. That and, is you know incredible, Caitlin. Is that, so that's faster than Kim Kardashian? <laughs> uh, yes, I bet Kim, everything, yeah. Uh, Kim <laughs> called me and said that the Twitter people called her and said, it's going crazy right now on Twitter. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, you know, tweet something about it every. But you know who I beat out? Who? Barack Obama. Oh, I love it. Five, five point, like four or five, uh, yeah, 20 minutes or whatever it was. I beat him by an hour. Oh, I love it. That yeah. is poetic justice right there, Caitlin. <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh, well, yeah. good for you. That's amazing. Well, you have been so generous with your time, Caitlin, and I want to thank you for that, for your honesty, uh, for your courage to be honest, despite yeah. all the consequences that have come your way. You are an incredible person, and I thank you for your time and your friendship. I'm so grateful. And thank you for the interview. You were very good. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Another huge show. Am I right? All of our shows are huge, but this one today, what a really important, dynamic, fascinating conversation. Am I right? I mean, this is, this is one for the ages, that Caitlyn Jenner conversation. Wow. A very, very important voice for all of us going forward politically, socially, culturally, Caitlyn Jenner is a really important voice and a very honest one. So I'm glad you were here for that. Please tell everybody you know about this show, friends, family, colleagues. We don't want to have anybody suffering from FOMO, fear of missing out. Everybody's got to be listening to the show. All right, have a great start to your week, and I will see you right back here on Thursday with another huge and very important conversation with Dr. Naomi Wolf. Have a great start to your week. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Bayhockle Entertainment, LLC.